at a very high level, our very first recommendation is that we, we distinguish between the apparent wrongdoings regarding the valuation of the parent company of Wirecard Card Solutions, which is the uh, bin sponsoring and e-money issuing business. So it was originally Newcastle Building Society, has a long heritage and provides an important role for a significant proportion of the e-money industry in the UK and making sure we separate those two things out. That we separate the issue about auditing with the performance of the payments company. That's a very first recommendation. Do you actually agree or disagree with the Financial Conduct Authority's reaction at the time to freeze the business in the UK? So the FCA had a watching brief on all companies in the payments industry and in particular, any that might create um, some sort of systemic risk. And because Wirecard was a big business, they, of course, were watching very carefully what was happening. What I think they did when they did it, we support completely. They had to do that. There was no other choice. They had to make sure that the money was there and they had to make sure that the money was available in the UK, which is really why they froze Wirecard's accounts for four days. What I would have preferred them to do, and we have made some strong recommendations in the EPA's white paper on avoiding a, a, a payments lockdown, is communicate differently, make sure that only those accounts that needed to be frozen were frozen, to make sure that this was avoided at all costs, and it, could, it was avoidable. So doing something in advance of the time when it was done in a way that didn't require the freezing of the accounts would have been possible. However, when we got to where they got to, we support what they did. Well, I think the important point, of course, is that as far as customers are concerned, they may not have been able to access their money for 48 hours or 72 hours, but nobody has actually lost any money as a result of this debacle. That's absolutely true. And the, the, the promise of e-money, don't forget, is that unlike banking, if you put £100 into an e-money account, that money sits into a safeguarding account. You know that your money's safe. If you put your money into a bank, actually the bank can lend that money out. You can't see the money. There's no direct cause and effect. And that's been the magic of e-money. That's been the secret source of why e-money has become such a successful innovation over the last decade and has helped to transform the payments industry. However, in this particular case, the reality was that the, the regulator could not see that money and could not see that that money was in a UK a PRA regulated account. That is something we need to do something about. We need to improve the transparency and the accountability of funds in safeguarded bank accounts. We have to ask ourselves a question also whether the FCA required that money to be sitting within the UK's boundaries. And that is something we have commented on in, in this particular paper. Uh, to do with the repatriation of funds. We think that uh, the reason why many of those funds were outside the UK is that it's very hard to find a, a UK tier one bank that has a RTGS account at the Bank of England, a, a top 30, 35 company that has a settlement account at the Bank of England is at the top of the pyramid. Not many of them are making their banking services available to run safeguarded bank accounts. And that is a problem. We've got to do something about that. We've got to find a way of opening up banking access, bank account access to non-banks in future and not require people to go overseas to find those banking services. This would be one of the vulnerabilities that you identify in the current system. Are there others that you are bringing to the attention of the FCA? 
So indeed, and, and don't forget that the reason we are doing this with the FCA is not because we as an industry are telling the FCA what to do. I've had a couple of people who have questioned me on that, and I've said that's absolutely not the nature of the relationship that the, these two organizations have with each other. We are extremely collaborative and supportive of the FCA, and anyone, would, anyone who's worked inside a regulator knows how difficult it is to know exactly what's happening within any industry, particularly one as complex as payments. So what we do is we provide, essentially provide a, a window into our industry for them. And, and what we've decided to do in this case is to do it in a formal way, to come up with some ideas and some solutions and some suggestions. And also within this paper, for the first time ever, really, we articulate exactly how the business models around e-money work to make sure that when you're looking at the third parties involved, when you're looking at the, the different relationships, how the money moves. So by the way, anybody wants to understand how e-money works in the UK, read this paper. It's extremely good. It's 12,000 words. It's 30 pages. And you've got to have a strong coffee. But I'll tell you what, it's extremely good. I've learned a great deal and I'm the DG. Looking at the the situation as it currently stands in the UK, and we'll focus specifically on the UK because you're the UK, you're the representing the UK industry. Is it the case that we require legislation? And if we do, how fast can that come? And even if you get it, is it not going to be behind the times? Because it seems to me that it is always the case that in situations like this, that regulators are playing catch up all the time. Completely agree with you. That is so often the case. And, and, and I agree with you in terms of regulation tending to be behind the, where the market is. That's always the regulator's curse. However, I think in this case, we have to remember there's two things going on. There's a regulation and then there's a supervision of the, of the industry and the extent to which it's being compliant. We welcome some tweaks to the regulation, particularly around safeguarding, and we welcome some additional changes to the nature of supervision. For example, I would really like to see a larger number of people in the payment supervision department at the FCA. We need more one-to-one -one relationships. As these organizations, as these paytech and payments companies are becoming bigger, Robin, they, we, we really need to make sure that they are effectively supervised. They're no longer just the gnat on the arse of the elephant, so to speak. They are, they are very much uh, important players and deserve to be recognized and supervised as such. So that's the first thing, more regulation. But the real worry we've got is that in light of what the European Commission announced, we have heard that they wish to take a much more stringent look at fintechs in general, of which paytechs are, are a part. And I think there's a danger that we'll end up throwing out the fintech a baby with the wire card bathwater. I'm really concerned about that. And through not understanding how this works, over-regulating and preventing the innovation that's given so many consumers and so many businesses a great means of paying and being paid. That's my big worry. Well, there must be some banks who are if not rubbing their hands in glee, are, are quietly full of schadenfreude simply because of the fact that the paytech industry was eating their cake. Has there been, in terms of the consumer impact of what's happened, has, have you seen any signs that the industry as a whole has suffered reputational damage, has lost business because of it? So that was, that was our worry. We were worried that the FCA in particular, because of the freezing of the accounts, was ending up looking not so great. And as a result, the UK's wonderful combination of entrepreneurs 
investment capital, talent, early adopting consumers and a supportive regulator was going to be broken. That's a great formula. It's a, it's a powerful concoction. And that's something that we thought might be broken if this lasted too long. It only lasted four days. There was some publicity in the consumer press, but not very much. And the reality is, I think we moved on. There are some days when some of the payment schemes have outages. I think the consumers saw, saw this ultimately as, a, as an outage and nothing more. And that's probably best that they saw it that way. My worry is that the powers that be will misinterpret this and will we'll confuse an, an apparent auditing failure with a payments failure. And it wasn't a payments failure. Except to the extent that people couldn't make or receive payments, as you say, admittedly only for four days. Is this not also a lesson, therefore, for players in the industry not to rely on just one supplier? These programmes rarely warrant more than one supplier. You end up with some complexities around... So, for example, imagine that you one day have a, an account that is there to enable you to access certain services. And so you're a, a freelancer, you're doing regular business and you receive a card and that card receives credits whenever you do work for that company. Having different people who are issuing those cards on behalf of the same program manager adds a level of complexity that makes reconciliation and quality control really difficult. So generally they don't warrant two suppliers. Okay, should we therefore be proud, perhaps might be the way of putting it, of the industry for the in the UK for the speed at which it disentangled itself from Wirecard? The sad thing is that there's some really good people, ex-Newcastle Building Society people, now Wirecard Card Solutions, who are superb at their jobs. They're one of our members. We supported them through all of this. Individually, this has been a really tough one. I, I think our industry has a wonderful ability to heal itself from harm. And in this case, yes, I agree with you. I think we should be proud. I think the, the companies like Curve, also one of, our, one of our patrons, community patrons, was on the, in the process of moving its issuing in-house anyway. But within 48 hours, it managed to do a whole series of things that were just simply impressive. They worked very, very quickly to change and be able to come back on stream again. The truth is that the programs that Wirecard Card Solutions have some of which will be moving in-house, some of which will be moving to other third-party providers. And, and I'm quite, I quietly hope that there will be a buyer for that as a standalone going a concern going forward as well. And I imagine, I, I understand there are, there are uh, several companies who are keen to have a look at those assets and find a way of buying them up. 